that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 574 for December 6, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, I am super excited to invite to the show for the first time, Nika Montfort of the Snob OS podcast that she co-hosts with Terrence Gaines. Welcome to the show, Nika. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I invited Nika on because in listening to the Snob OS podcast, I really have been intrigued by the path they're taking to include diversity and culture in a podcast that's about technology and specifically about Apple stuff, hence the name of the podcast. And so they're going to fold into the show the impacts of technology on people of color. And I, I'm just fascinated. Nobody's ever done this that I've that I've heard of any, anyway. So, um, but before we get into all that, I want to get uh, give you guys a feel of Nika's background first so you have some context for this whole discussion. So now I'm going to probe into your private life, Nika. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. So Terrence explained that you have a lot of degrees. Can you tell us about your education? Sure. So um, I have two undergraduate degrees. I have a BS in electrical engineering and a BS in computer engineering. And I'm finishing up a master's of computer science at Georgia Tech. Holy cow. That's you know, I've only got a bachelor's and master's and now I feel like I'm not worthy, right? Cuz I've only got two degrees. <laughs> oh no, that's it's it's more than enough. It's it's way too many. My brother and I have this unofficial uh degree competition going on. So He's 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 almost one up me. So oh, that's but, uh, funny. Nothing like competition with your brother, right? <laughs> yes, and he's much younger, so he's always tried to to best me. So he's about to finish up a PhD. So I said, I'm going to let you have that one. So <laughs> enough is enough. I'll call enough it. is enough. Yes, yes. Well, that's a that's a good chance to kind of fold into uh, what kind of environment did you grow up in? I grew up, um, I'm from Georgia, um, where we, we, I live in Georgia, in the uh, Atlanta area, which is, of course, everyone knows the major city in Georgia. But I grew up in a small town about um, two hours southeast of Atlanta, really small town. Uh, my parents uh, lived there. Uh, my family's lived there for, for decades. So um, just a small, small town community, small town girl, um, grew up uh, in, in small town of East Dublin, Georgia. So uh, one brother or there are there more of you? So I have uh, a younger brother. He is seven years younger than me. So it's a pretty big uh, age gap, but uh, we're super close. Okay, that's cool. So, Sometimes yeah. you get along better when you didn't share you know, share everything growing up. <laughs> right. So we, we joke all the time, like we grew up as only children. So, you know, I had my time with our parents and then I left to go off to school and he grew up with them. So we kind of had our our own like individual kind of like childhoods, but you know, of course they intersect as siblings do. So, so yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. So uh, where did your love of technology come from? Did who influenced you in your life and got you into it? So I have to say, I've always had a really curious mind. Um, I was maybe about maybe 10 and I got my first computer, which was a Tandy RL 1000. I think it had maybe like seven megabits of RAM. I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> so I mean, you know, it was it was. But at the time it was cutting edge. You know, we had the the monitor. We had like the dot matrix printer where you had to line up the little, you know, perforated <laughs> edges along the side. Right. And it just always fascinated me. How is it that I can press a button on this keyboard and have it do what 
I wanted to do. And it just always fascinated me. And I was always curious about it. And um, I have one of my aunts, um, she pretty much kind of got me into technology. Um, She had to use computers and and such for work. She's an accountant. And so um, I learned you know, um, how to use DOS back then. Of course, we didn't have, you know, the fancy GUI interfaces. We all, we had to do everything from command line. <laughs> so that's really um, where it came from. And I was just fascinated, like, to, 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 to find out how does this work? What makes this work? How does this work? And I just had all sorts of questions about it. And that just kind of opened up the, the world of technology to me. So uh, was she the one that uh, did she convince your parents to get you a computer or was that their idea? It was my dad's idea. Yeah. I think he was just he was just in Radio Shack and he saw it and I, he, the salesman probably talked him into it. And then I <laughs> Merry Christmas and what Christmas. That's that's what I had. So. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. So did they already have a computer of their own and this was just all yours? So this was the first computer in the house. Okay. Um, my parents really didn't use it. It was for me, it was for my education. Um, <laughs> but I use it to play games and, you know, kind of play around. But I mean, of course, as I got older, especially going into middle school and high school, uh, it was uh, very helpful. Um, but for the most part, they um, they weren't really into the technology aspect. I've kind of pulled them in now. My dad uh, finally is is on the smartphone bandwagon before. He was like, oh, I just need to be able to dial and make calls. But now, you know, my mom, she has the, I, I of course, that's what I buy them for Christmas is technology. Sure. And so now my mom has the Apple Watch and she has the iPhone and the iPad. So, you know, she's pretty hip to, to the technology stuff now. But back then they weren't really into it. It was more of, you know, things to enrich and to help me. That's interesting that they did that for you. And yet it wasn't an interest of theirs. That's, that's not at interesting. all. Wow. Yeah. Can I ask what kind of age range they're in? So my mom turned 59 this year and my dad turned 64 this year. So they're five years apart. Yeah. So it'll be 60 and 65 next year. I like to know context because, you know, this sweet little old lady uh, that you're describing is my age. Actually, she's younger than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I I have had some real interesting conversations. I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, one of my pet peeves is I hear people say, so easy your mother could do it on tech mm-hmm. shows and I just want to reach through the wire and strangle them when they and say that strangle them. Yeah. But I overheard a woman at the gym say at one time and I was, I, I ran over to her and I, w- I wasn't mean or anything. I just said, I'm fascinated that as a woman, you would say that. Why you would, would you say, say that? that? Yeah. And her answer was really telling. She said, because my father won't even try. My mother will at least try. Mm. And I thought that was really, really That's interesting. Very interesting. It and is. Because I, I saw my dad was an engineer with, uh, he had 12 patents, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. my mother uh, quit work when the kids were born. And uh, he got to the point where he didn't want to learn anything new about technology. He knew how to do what he knew how to do, and he didn't want to know anything else. And my mother, till she was um, like 93, was still trying new tech. I mean, she was terrible oh, really? at it, but she, but she but would she try, tried. right? That was the but point. I mean, she that's, liked that's, it. That's similar to my parents. Like I said, my dad just really got onto, you know, the smartphone wave. I'd bought him, you know, uh, iPhones before and he'd be like, oh yeah, okay, sure. And, you know, iPods and, you know, they're just 
basically still in the box because he never really w- was into it. But my mom, on the other hand, she did want to try it. She always gets nervous. She's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to figure this out and all sorts of things like that. But, but I told try. her, I said, you'll try. And I was like, the more you use it, the more comfortable, you know, you'll get with it. So she's really gotten a lot better at it. She, you know, does the text and the she knows how to do the what the emphasis and all those things now. So she's nice. uh, she's open to it. Yeah. Steve's uh, mom and dad are very much the same. His dad has a flip phone and he likes he likes rubbing my face in it. The, the fact that he <laughs> won't try anything new. He's hilarious. Uh, but my mother-in-law picked up the, the iPhone was just like, boom, all over it. And he kept saying, oh, you don't need that. She won't want that. No, she won't ever use that. She loves it. She, she loves it. She doesn't use it a lot, but she likes having it. So that's good. Yeah. This yep. isn't supposed to be uh, this week in in uh, parents, but uh, it, it is interesting to give some background, a little context into context into where you know we come from. Because I mean, both my brother and I, my parents have always been super into education and making sure that we get the best education that we can, that we travel the world, that we see new experiences, and it's just things that they didn't do growing up. And you know, they always say that you know we want each generation, you know, to grow wiser and and grow better. And so that's just always been, you know, their thing is to make sure that we, you know, try, you know, everything. That's fascinating. That That's fantastic. I, it, it's interesting to me to think about trying to think of things for my kids that I didn't have um, mm-hmm. and, and looking at it that way. Um, I had, uh, my father was a huge influence on my education and the fact that I'm an engineer. And mm-hmm. my mother was very supportive all the way through, but then was shocked when I didn't quit work when my daughter was born. I was oh, like, really? Yeah. And I was like, mom, have we not had this conversation? What would make you think that I was going to quit work? I'd be an expert if I had stayed home with children. I really would. Well, she I, worked really hard for that engineering degree. They aren't easy to come by. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and two, you know, and it was like, yeah. really, yeah. you thought I was going to quit. That's it was, it was really eye opening that that's what she thought was going to happen. She was really surprised. I was like, uh, okay. But my dad wasn't surprised. He knew what I was going to do. So- yeah, it's, it's just funny because, you know, um, my parents come from, you know, a middle class, blue collar background. So um, they went to college. They didn't finish. But they're both very, you know, very bright. My, I'm more like my dad and my brother is more like my mom. They're more on the creative side. They're the mm-hmm. right side of the brain and my dad and I are the left side of the brain. So it's just very, you know, Preach. interesting <laughs> to see, <laughs> you know, how it works and how coming from them, them not having, you know, access to some of the things that we have, but they worked really hard to, to make a great living so that we could have, you know, you know, the best of things that they could provide us. So, yeah. And there pretty much isn't anything you could provide more important than education. That's, that's right. for sure. Yeah. Right. So we're, what other mentors did you have uh, growing up? Other, you mentioned your aunt uh, that, that influenced you and your love of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, For the most part, I, Growing up, um, I did a lot of different things. I'm not um, kind of one person that just kind of settles on one thing. My interests are are broad and they and they go across a, a large range of things. So um, I had, you know, teachers. I think for me, it was like I said before. I come from a small town, so typically, in you know, small towns, they expect you to stay there to kind of mm-hmm. you know not, you know, expand out. And I was always one of those kids that, you know, I, I did other activities outside of my, my small little bubble. So when I was in um, high school, I did, 
I, I did these like uh, immersion programs that took me like different parts of the country. Oh, wow. I, um, yeah. And it was just it was my um, guidance counselor who um, saw something in me and she said, you know, I want you to apply for these things. She was like, no one at our, in our at our school has ever tried for any of these things, but I want you to try for them. And oh, so everything I tried for, I got. Um, I did this. It was like an economics camp. Oh. I wasn't interested in economics, but it took me to California for like two weeks um, <laughs> when I was like Who 16 cares or what 17. They were teaching you? Right. And <laughs> Could I have had been lima a, bean class and you'd say yes. Right, right? <laughs> right. And I had a great time and I met some really amazing people. And from there doing um, that, I did a something called Hobie. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. I ended up... Um, working at um, the Olympics. The, we had the Olympics here in 1996. So I threw, you know, my guidance counselor kind of pushing me to try these different things. It was different events and activities and groups that I participated in. Um, I was in like, they had a, um, what do they call it? Like a spirit kind of thing for the state where they pick kids from all over the state of Georgia. And what you would do is you would go to the smaller areas and uh, represent the Summer Olympics. So we had like, you know, the track suits that looked like Olympic suits. We had the, hmm. you know, the Olympic mascot that kind of went with us. And we went all around, you know, the southeastern part of the the state to promote the Olympics. So we had to go and audition and you had to try out and do essays and, this you know, all those kind of things. nothing to do with where you ended up. That's interesting. Right. Nothing. And so and then from there, They were looking for people, of course, to volunteer for the Olympics. So, of course, I signed up for that. But what I ended up doing at the Olympics was I was a flower and medal bearer. So I carried the gold medals for the men's basketball and women's basketball team and for like some of the big swimming events. So I say all of that to say is those type of things and that kind of exposure, getting you comfortable um, getting you building your confidence up and making sure that you have that self-esteem is was key for me because leading into college, going into the environment that I went into, it was predominantly male. It was predominantly white. In most of my classes, I was either A, the only woman or B, the only black person. I was never the same at the same time. Oh, so wow. it would it would never be... Um, you know, multiple black women in a class together. And it would be maybe one or two black women. So once I got into my hardcore major, it was me and this one other um, girl. Um, She was, um, she was white. So if we weren't in the same class, it was me and this other black guy who were in the (laughs) same class. So, so that was it. And so that kind of that, you know, my experiences, you know, growing up through, you know, my parents, you know, my background from them raising me, the different activities that I did through um, middle school and high school prepared me to have that self-confidence to walk onto that campus, not knowing a soul in an environment that I I didn't know. I, I my my high school was uh, pretty much half and half, half black, half white. So I was comfort, comfortable in that. But in the competitive environment of college at an engineering university where it would be very few of people that look like me. So I had to I can attribute, you know, those lessons learned, you know, being able to speak in front of people. Um, being able to be around different types of people that emboldened me to be able to, you know, hold my head up, chest out and walk into those classrooms and ask questions and participate where before I don't think if I didn't have that experience, I I don't think I would have made it through. 
Wow, that's that's yeah. fascinating. I know I've been reading a lot lately in conversations about gender, not as much race, but in gender, at least that men tend to just be confident mm-hmm. <laughs> where where yeah. women step in thinking, oh, I probably can't do this. Or I wonder if I'm really qualified. And men are like, yeah, I'm amazing. <laughs> and maybe they aren't, but, you know, maybe they, are. they think they yeah, are. Yeah. And so it works. Right. It works for them. Um, but to have that confidence built up in you. So I guess that's a good lesson in, in, in parenting and influencing young people that you don't know whether the program that they're in has direct relevance, but if it gets them out there, gets them, like you say, speaking publicly, having to present themselves in environments where they're not super comfortable, that that can have great value in getting into something completely different. Of course, definitely. That's really, really interesting. So let's talk about that as you're either in school or uh, working, um, do you have stories about where somebody underestimated you? Sure. Um, I can probably talk about oh, I that. I hope in- this isn't one of those, how long, how much time you have? Do you have stories? I'll parse them down. So <laughs> I've experienced it in both in um, education and in my professional life. Um, in one of my classes in um, and undergraduate, it was, um, I think, uh, I think it was like control systems or or something like that at that time. I was the only female in the, the only female student in the class, and I was the only black person in the class. And of course, I sit up front because I like to. I ask questions. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people that if I don't know, I love you. I'm gonna you ask. Just, <laughs> of course, you do. Yeah, I'm like, why am I gonna sit here and not know it? No, I'm gonna ask. And if you think I, I look dumb, okay, fine, I don't care. But um, he would during the exams. He would first off. He he'd already said, you know, he didn't think he was. Um, I want to say maybe. Is this I don't the teacher you're talking about? Yes, the professor. Okay. I I can't. I'm not sure of his um, nationality, but um, he would stand next to me during the exam, and and basically kind of, are you okay? Do you need anything? It was very, oh, um, you know, kind of like coddling. Like, I don't know if she, you know, can handle this. Is this is this too much? Because he'd already kind of said before that he didn't think women should be, you know, in this industry. He said that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was like one of those things. I was like, oh, wow, that's wow. And so it just I I excelled in the class. I did well in the class. And so it is one of those things where, you know, I I made it a point to make sure even though the material was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand it. I made sure to put the extra effort in to make sure that I understood it, because for me, it was like I need to prove myself. I need to show that. I deserve to be here. Now, you know, as I'm older, I think back, I was like, I shouldn't have to prove that to anybody. But right. but at, at the that time, time it's, that mean, was normal, I mean, right? Yeah. 19, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old uh, girl in college. It was like, well, I got to I got to show them that I can do this. So it's 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 those kind of things. And, you know, speaking of being but, you know, before, before you people, move on, I do want to sure. I want to insert a story about control systems. Um mm-hmm. I took uh, an undergraduate control systems class in uh, at UC Irvine, and it was really, really hard for me. I got a B, but it was like, oh, this is pretty rough. And then I had to take a graduate level controls class at UCLA, and I hadn't actually signed up for the class. It was a big snafu where the guy who was teaching the class I was trying to see, I was trying to take, had actually quit. And so I ended up in this class through this 
set of events out of my control. And uh, forgive the pun. And uh, I was actually on academic probation right there then because I had a uh, 2.96 GPA. So mm-hmm. I I needed A's to get up to mm-hmm. three to the 3.0 to keep my scholarship. And right. uh, so after the class, I went up to the professor and I said, I explained the situation, explained how I'd done. And I'm a mechanical engineer. These are all electrical engineers. I need to know whether you think I can succeed. And he, there's a group of people around me. It's all, mm-hmm. it's all, there was one woman in the class. Everybody else was men. And uh, he looked at me and then he looked me up and down very slowly oh as he said, if you have the requirements for the class and it appears you do, you will get an A in this class. And he gave me an A. I, I swear, if I had just put my thumbprint on a paper, he would have given me an A on, on, on the test. He gave me an A plus wow. in the class. And, wow. and I, I mean, there were a lot of problems I couldn't even answer. And I was like, all my friends were mad at me. And I'm like, well, I didn't <laughs> tell him to do this. But I actually need to say, when I turned my grades in to the uh, academic office, uh, I, I got two A's and A in another class. And when I turned him in, the, the woman behind the desk said, oh, this is great, Allison. That's so good. You got two A's. Oh, you took Professor Leonda's class. That doesn't count. Oh. <laughs> so I don't think that fits the underestimating, but I thought you'd love that story in the context of it was about control theory, too. Yeah, controls. It's It's tough. It's, it's really tough. tough. It was really tough. Yeah. So now back so, to your stories. I keep interrupting you. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. So, um, you know, I'm out of college. I'm in the workplace. Um, I'm at my first big um, engineering job. Um, at this time, I was working um, as a test engineer um, in R&D. And so, again, we have a team of about 15. Um, I'm the only female engineer. I'm the only black engineer and I am one of the youngest engineers. (laughs) You don't know nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I knew in their mind, I knew absolutely nothing. And so one of the, the, my, my leads at the time, he was, he was an older guy, old school, um, you know, and it's one of those things where we were having um, a problem with one of the pieces of hardware and I was able to actually, you know, get into the hardware and debug the hardware and kind of and figure out what the issue was. And once I presented it to him, it was like, oh, wow, huh, <laughs> that's really what it was. But from that point on, he I didn't have any issues with oh, him regarding, you know, my work. He wasn't you know, hovering, you know, anymore, because before it was like, are you okay? Do you understand? Do you need any, you know, additional help on this? Um, And so after I was able to quote unquote, prove that I knew what I was doing and doing something that he did, I'm assuming he didn't expect from me, it kind of flipped the switch. And then he actually engaged more with Hmm. me on the projects. So it's one of those things where I'm not sure if it's, I wasn't sure if it was because I was a woman. I'm not sure if it's because I was black. I'm not sure if it's because I was young. I'm not sure what combination of that kind of played into his preconceived notions. So um, I, I, I don't know where, you know, what, you know, the quote unquote issue was with him. But after, you know, I, I, even though he saw my resume, he actually came into the company after I did. Oh really? So I had uh, yeah. So I had already been there a few years, 
So, but he came in as, um, he wasn't my manager, but he was in a leadership type role. Um, we were working kind of like on par, we were working on the same project, but kind of in parallel roles. So, um, it, it, it was just very interesting to see, you know, the flip after me solving something, you know, that was complex for him to say, oh, okay, well, okay. She knows what she she's knew, doing. Yeah. Even though he knew what my background was in. Yeah. It, he might've been that way anyway, but, but you had three reasons that he should think that you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I think I had uh more, well, I have more overt problems with people who underestimated me because I was young. Mm-hmm. The, the, the gender stuff was not overt. I couldn't mm-hmm. see it. It wasn't slapping me in the face, but the age stuff, it was like, you can't know anything because you know, you're, you're 20 years old. How could you possibly know anything? Right. And it was often from people who I, I worked with a lot of non-degreed guys, but they'd been in the industry for, you know, 40 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I slowly learned that they were actually right. I didn't know nothing compared to them, you know, and I needed to to learn from them. And that and that was OK. But I but couldn't stop is, being female. Yeah. And the thing is, that's uh, that's expected. You would think you have a young person coming in, take the initiative, to, the initiative to be more of a mentor rather than saying, oh, well, they don't know anything. Well, if you don't think a person knows something, then I would think you in a leadership role would, you know, try and facilitate that to try and grow that person. But I mean. Who knows? We Not work in it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the fields that we work in, they're they're highly competitive. And, you know, everyone wants to, you know, one up the other person or, you yeah. know, make themselves shine. So. Sure. You yeah. know, I, I watched um, my friend Jennifer has a bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering and an MBA from UCLA or USC. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun to watch other people underestimate her. Because mm-hmm. she's this teeny tiny little girl, and I'm going to mm-hmm. say girl because she's less than half my age. But she's, uh, you know, she's super stylish. She dresses mm-hmm. really well. Her shirt, her, you know, yep. her shoes match her purse and everything. Yeah. And uh, I've never done that once in my life. And uh, and she's also, if she gained uh, four pounds, she'd be a 98 pound weakling. So she's this little <laughs> itty bitty thing, and she's brilliant. And mm-hmm. she just sits back and watches them dig holes, and then she just eats them alive. <laughs> and I, 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 um, I, I feel a kindred spirit with her because I, I'm very petite. I'm five two. Um, I look a lot younger than I actually am. People, you know, guess I'm ten to fifteen years younger than I mm. actually am. And um, like her, I, I'm, I'm a girly girl. All of my Apple devices match. There, <laughs> everything's rose gold. It sparkles. You know, I have my nails done. I have my hair done. I wear makeup. I wear heels. You know, I do the whole gamut because I always, that's, that's where my name, my handle that I pretty much use across everywhere comes from tech savvy diva. I am a techie. I am savvy and diva in the sense of I'm a girly girl. I like things that quote unquote typical, you know, girls like, and a lot of people, when I tell them what I do for a living, they're very (laughs) taken aback by it. It's in my experience, you know, as a as a single lady, you know, um, it it takes guys aback and they don't quite know what to do with it. And um, so it's it's very interesting to see. And, um, you know, when I tell people what I do, they was like, oh, well, I would assume that you were a I get a lot of publicists. I mm. get a lot of marketing 
advertising type things. Like people, they Hmm. don't kind of see the whole tech. I don't look like what a tech person is. We've broken every single stereotype. Yeah. (laughs) Female, black, and, and, and very feminine, you know. Yeah. I, I grew up in the dirt with my brothers, so I'm I I don't have that stereotype at all. So that that's even more interesting. So don't get me wrong, I'm a country girl, so we go outside and we play and we you know get dirty. But at the you know the end of the day, you know it's that's that's who I am, and it's just it's just very funny, and that's kind of something that I've tried to make sure in the exposure that I that I do get in the exposure to to um, girls that I do. Have have. I try to make sure that they know you can be anything. You can do anything. You can like your makeup. You can like your hair, but you can also like to code. You can also like to build. So that's one of the things that is very important to me. And, you know, one of the things that I, I strive to do is to make sure that young girls, especially young black girls, know that you can you can literally do anything you want. You don't have to choose sports over you know, dresses, you can do both. You don't have to, you can, you can be a cross section of things. You don't just have to pick one thing to do. And I think that's something that when people think of a coder or developer or engineer, they have one picture in their mind, even in 2018, they have this picture in their mind of what that person is supposed to look like. And, you know, one of, I think my missions in, you know, where I, what I've accomplished and where I am, that's one of the things I'm supposed to do is just to show people that, you know, it's, you, it's not, you know, atypical to, to have one preconception or or thought of what you think a person in tech or a person STEM um, should look like or should be or should act. You know, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm as bad as anybody else my uh, great niece is, uh, I think she's around nine years old and her mother's very, very fashionable, brilliant, brilliant woman. She was a speechwriter, and um, uh, her daughter is always dressed to, I mean, little cute boots and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very, very fashionable. She's very, very girly. Uh, but I was talking to her recently and I asked her what was going on and she said, oh, I'm taking a coding class. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was floored. I was completely I surprised by it. But why should I have been surprised? Just because she's a girly girl, I'm as bad as anybody else, Nika. But the thing is, I think it's it's up at the end of the day, it's choice. If you are a tomboy or if you don't like, you know, if you want to wear your chucks or if you want to wear your jeans and your graphic tees, if you're in a comic, whatever it is, whatever it is that you desire, however you want to present yourself, whatever it is you want to do, be that, be confident in, in what that is and, and what that looks like to you. Be confident in what a quarter looks like to you. If a quarter looks like to you, I'm in jeans and t-shirts, then that's awesome. That's amazing. You can be a great, you know, engineer or technologist or scientist in your jeans and your t-shirts. And at the same time, if you love your dresses and your heels and your purses, you can be a great scientist in those things as well. So I think it's one of those things of kind of cracking the matrix where people start to see that whatever spectrum of the girl quotient, if that's what you want to call it, whatever it is, wherever you are in that range, you should be that and be confident in that. And people should be open and accept whatever it is that they are presented as far as, you know, what a person wants to do with um, their life, what their passions are and the way they look. It should be negligible really at this point, but unfortunately it's not. 
Yeah, I, I I wanted to confess that because if people are thinking, oh man, I I suck at this, it's like you know, as a woman, I also do. So right, and the thing is, it's 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 just this, it's the way society is. I mean, it's been ingrained. If you look at images from you know decades ago, it's 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 what it, what's expected, what you think it's supposed to look like, and it never it, it it it's cyclical. It has to kind of catch up to to where we are now. So I think. You know, I think we'll get there. It's just going to take people being, you know, honest. You honestly said, well, I kind of said the same thing. It's being honest and acknowledging and saying, oh, well, I didn't think of it that way. It's just going to take people being honest and and open and saying, hey, I thought of it that way. Maybe I should change the way I think a little bit. Yeah. If we can admit it, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's the first thing. That's the first thing. Do you think you were, um, had more difficulty because you were African-American or because you were uh, a woman? Um, or did it not hold you back at all? In a way, it sounds like it didn't hold you back at all. So it didn't personally hold me back. I don't think, of course, definitely there are roadblocks, but I think it's just a type of personality and the type of person that I am. It, It didn't hold me back. But what my fear is, is for people who, you know, aren't, you know, as, I call myself an extroverted introvert because technically I'm actually an introvert. But once you start me to talking or once I get comfortable, I'm just I'm out there. <laughs> so I <laughs> so I, I think it's one of those things where if there are girls who kind of shrink, you know, to the back and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure who don't really have that confidence. I think it can be a blocker. Yeah, and for me, yeah. I can't really separate, you know, the whether it's race or gender for me. Because I am both of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Let me, <laughs> so let me do a, a controlled experiment here and split myself in half. Right. And so I think a lot of times, you know, it, especially in our society, um, people think that you can kind of just put, you know, in in little boxes. But um, I can't remember who the professor is that came up with the phrase intersectionality. And I am an intersectional person. We have issues that we face as women. We have issues that we face as black people, but I intersect where I have issues on both sides, where I have the issues that, you know, as a woman that you would experience, I have those things that that we both experience from the female perspective of being a woman. But I also have those issues from um, the the black point of view, from my race as well. And so it's, it's the co-mingling of those two. So for me, I can't really separate, you know, whether it comes from being a woman or whether it comes from being black, because for me, I am both of those things. <laughs> Same thing. That was a dumb <laughs> question, Allison, but you, you didn't make me no, sound no, dumb. No, 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 no. no, no. It's, <laughs> it's not because a lot of people really, uh, I don't think they really see it that way until they hear it. And then it's like, oh, that's right. Well, and it would, you know? again, it would have to be overt, right? Right. It would have to be something where they were specific in the way they treated you that you could tell which it was about. Right. And a lot of times you can't really tell. Right. Right. A lot of times you can't tell it's happening. That's the right. stuff and, that and, really and bothers me. Yeah. And it's really subtle now. I think probably, um, I, you know, previously when, uh, you know, women really became uh, really started in the workforce, I'm sure it was very sexist and, and very overt. For me, I haven't really had anything overtly um you know, obvious. It's always been mm. subtle kind of things that you don't really recognize in the moment, but then you 
go, you leave and you think about it and it's like, huh, that was weird. That was weird. And I think that was either a little bit sexist or either a little bit racist. I'm not sure. <laughs> and it's and it's not something that you that is for me in my experience, because um, I can only speak for myself. But in my experience, I haven't really suffered anything, you know, overtly, you know, that would that would trigger me to say, oh, wow, that's either racist or sexist or both or, or whatever the case may be. I, I haven't had that experience overtly for me. Subtly, sure, but yeah. not for me anything overtly. Well, I'm glad to hear it's it's maybe a little better than it used to be, at least. So let's let's switch gears. I've uh, sure. I, I started this all by saying what I really wanted to know about was. So why why is it important to talk about these cultural issues in a tech podcast about Apple gear? What is that? Where do you hope to go with that? And what do you hope us to learn? What I really hope is it's twofold for um, for non black people or not people of color. I just I just hope that it kind of opens people's eyes a little bit to to things that they wouldn't have necessarily even thought about because that's not their experience. And for our our fellow black techies, it's just someone it's this is visibility. Representation is key. When you see someone who represents you and something that you're interested in, it always kind of brings like a community together to say, oh, I'm not just the only one. I'm not just the only, you know, techie who who's black, who enjoys tech podcasts or enjoys, you know, gadgets or coding. It just kind of of brings people together and let them know that, hey, I'm not the only one. I'm not an anomaly. I'm not the only one out there. So that's pretty much, you know, so for me, that's the that's the. There's That's two cool. pieces there, though. The representation, absolutely. It is incredibly powerful to see someone who looks like you. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what your politics are, you've got to know that that having an African-American president changed the way a lot of black, black kids think. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, it's got to have shifted the axis for a lot of people. Definitely. Um, so that's a piece of it. But talking about it, uh, talking about like, I can't picture like you, you guys were talking about Facebook and um, the percentages of of people that are black that that are in Facebook. Can you mm-hmm. let, recreate that conversation a little bit? What was the context of that? Because that was where I started to really try to think about what you guys are doing. So it started from an article um, that a former Facebooker wrote. Um, it was more of to, we 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 thought of it as like an exit interview for the person leaving that environment to kind of lay out, you know, what their experiences were. And basically it was that I think it was 60 some odd percent of Facebook users are black, but really, yeah, it's, it's a large population of, of, of people on Facebook are, are black people um, of African descent of African descent. So it was one of those things where you have a large population that consumes your product, but the people who build your product don't reflect that. So how can you build um, a platform where you have one block of of the population who are uh, majority of your consumers, but the people who are producing the content, the people that are producing the platform are basically the opposite of that. So it's, it's little subtle things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily point out and say, hey, that's that's not cool. That's not right. And it's, it's just the it's the small things that I think the technical term is like micro is microaggressions or, or something like that. It's just small things that um, so say um, I I've, I've heard people say on Facebook, if they 
write something on Facebook um, uh, as a black person that is saying, oh, we should get, you know, racist off Facebook or this person said something racist to me and and Facebook would either suspend them or they would um, remove their convert, uh, remove their comment or, or whatever the case may be. But then you can have someone of the opposite race say something just as derogatory or, or actually even more derogatory. And that would stand. So it's just those simple things of of the inequ- the inequities in and the way that Facebook kind of polices their their content. And you think that's uh, related to what their development staff is, the makeup of the development staff? Right, because if leadership? you think about right, if you think about on Facebook, when people put content on there, there are people that are looking at the content, look, looking for things to flag. And so um, you can put something about black or, or whatever the case may be. And the person looking at it, if they aren't a black person or if it's something that's said colloquially, that that may seem like it means one thing, but means something else in a different context. And they ding it as, oh, this is this is inappropriate. This is wrong. This is bad. So it, it, it's the eyes that are on it that are, I guess, for lack of a better word, policing the content that is that's put on the platform. Okay. So it's not, what about like advertising? We're, we're all over Facebook's case for uh, the fact that they track every single little bitty thing about us and they know everything about who we are and where we shop and what, and our gender and race and everything. Um, Do you want to be more catered to from a, from an advertising perspective? I don't think it's the, for me personally, it's not that, you know, being uh, specifically catered to. For me, it's all about equality and equity. Making sure that if I'm on your platform, if I'm consuming your your content, show me the same courtesy and respect that you would for someone who doesn't look like you. If you are, you know, posting, um, advertising, uh, you see like the different, um, the spots of, uh, you know, the sponsored content, you know, those type of different uh, advertisements that come through. Just for me, it's making sure that we have some equity um, along. It's it's not um, as I'm trying to, how do I want to phrase it? I, I just want to make sure that it's, it's equitable regardless of what your race is, what your economic status is. Kate, it's, it's plenty, it's enough, you know, um, things to buy. It's enough to consume for everyone's different preference. Just make sure you have a, a equitable division of, of, of what you're quote unquote selling because black people buy things like white people buy things like Asian people buy. Th- we're all consumers here. And at the end of the day, we're all humans and we all consume things. We all purchase things. We all buy things. So make sure that you're making sure that your audience is receiving, you know, an equitable, you know, amount of, of, of information. You know, I, a younger me <laughs> would have said, oh, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, Nika. I wouldn't have said it out loud. I just would have thought it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, because, well, you know what? I buy milk. You buy milk. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to my uh, my administrative assistants once, and I I found out from her that, that black people can't wash their hair every day because no. it'll break. Mm-hmm. And she could not stop laughing at me. She was in hysterics that I didn't know this. And it's like, well, how would I know that? You know, where would that information have come up in conversation? You know, I don't ask you how often. Well, I actually do ask people how often they wash your hair. But I can wash my hair twice a day. 
and nothing goes and, wrong. But that's and a, I can't. Right, right. And the products that you would use are nothing like what I would use on my hair, right? No, no. And so just something as simple as, as shampoo would be a, a different thing that you would see in ads on, on different platforms. Right. So you would say uh, um, some of the products that I use, um, say, it, say, for instance, the Shea Moisture. It's, it's a line of products that are specifically catered to people who have curly hair, coarse hair. Um, so it's one of those things where if you have, you know, 60 some odd percent of, of black people on your on your platform, you know, you would think that you would see more ads for Shea Moisture than you know, you would say uh, Clairol or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, L'Oreal, you know, even though they have um, products for um, black hair, it's just one of those things where, you know, make sure, just put a mix in there so that everyone can feel represented. And like you said, going back to the hair washing, when you watch TV and you're watching a show, you you see, you know, on, on different TV shows, people get in the shower, they wash their hair, you know, it's not a big deal. And when you see white people do that, you say, oh, that's what I do. I do that every day. That's me. But you don't really get to see that same type of representation from um, a person of color. So how would how would you know that (laughs) we we wash our hair, you know, once a week? You know, some people go twice a week because we can't handle, you know, that kind of that amount of product and, and that amount of moisture. So it's just it's just so simple things that, you know, you wouldn't even, you know, think of. You know, even comes down to uh, take even further lotion. I mean, it's a lot of people, you call it a lot of what people call it dry skin. Black mm-hmm. people call it ashy. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the same thing. But we we love the oils. We have to oil our skin because if we don't, it gets really dry and it it it's not good. But that's just something so, that in the black community, we would we automatically know, you know what that is with someone says, oh, my goodness, you're ashy today. That well, so means if, you need to moisturize. If if um, if Facebook is to do that well for you, though, then they would do targeted ads. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what's good about targeted ads is you would see the, the shea butter and I would see the Clairol. Right. Mm-hmm. That's but they can only do that if they are looking at who we are. Right. And all you see in this instance would be the Clairol. Yeah, I, I hesitate to say that that Leo Laporte is ever truly introspective, but he has had his moments. He was asking his his um, uh, co-hosts one time whether why it would matter whether there was uh, gender and, and uh, race representation in the development team at Google. He said, what would be different about our products and I, and I thought that was a really good question, and I've thought about it a lot. And I, I know uh, two of the examples that, that came to my mind. One was, um, I mean, you think it's search terms. What's, what's that got to do with gender or race? But mm-hmm. if you, at the time at least, if you search for CEO in Google Images, mm-hmm. you're like on the third page before you see a stock image of a woman. Mm-hmm. So you and even that, further down, if you see a stock image of a black person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't checked. See, it would never occur to me to check it because I would be a white person. And and the other example was um, it was also Google Images when uh, there they came out with their smart search that would find, say, pictures of dogs. And it mm-hmm. found a, it was finding black people when you searched for gorilla, I think it was. Probably. I think so. And and it was yeah. and it, obviously a big black eye and they fixed it, but they mm-hmm. could have avoided that if they had a, a staff that represented the people who would be looking at their at the results of their code. 
Right. And a lot of times something that's really come to, to forefront now, everybody has blogs and, you know, people are posting content. Something that we don't really have are stock images of black and brown people. It's not a lot of if you go into what is it, uh, Shutterstock or if you go into uh, any any of your your standard um, uh, image, uh, stock image um, search engines. It's you you won't find a lot of of stock images of black and brown people. Even if you go into Google, you even it, when you type in, you know, uh, if you say I'm looking for a, a, a black woman, you'll get some black women. But then you'll also get other races in that mix as well and not far down. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where. You know, when we want to post something um, to a blog and you just want to use a stock image, it's, it's really hard to to find those images. You really have to to search for them. And I know that there are are, are now people um, who are who are creatives who are specifically going after that market to say, let's get some um, illustrations of black and brown people or black people with curly hair, because most people, you know, you think of the straight hair. There are plenty of of curly Haired girls out there that don't have that representation as well. So it's just things that I think, you know, we have to, to, to be cognizant of aware. And a lot of people, um, I, I, I'm, I'm quick to say, you know, some people just don't know. I mean, it's, and it, that's just obvious. There are just some people who are, are not in a minority who, who don't know. And there are some people who do know and just don't care. So it's just, I mean, that's just the, that's just the, the honest, that's just the, the smartest people you're it. talking about though, is the people that go, there's an underserved market. I could make money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that should solve all of this, but uh, yeah, you're right. I just went to Google images and did a search on CEO and, Oh, I'm a good 30, three or four pages down. I found one Asian guy mm-hmm. found an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an Indian guy. That guy might be black, but probably not. I mean, nope, nope, still scrolling, still <laughs> scrolling. Now, a lot of them are of actual CEOs, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, no, no, I'm still scrolling. Oh, no, he's Indian. <laughs> I am not. This is wow. Yeah. Oh, found one. Found one. Yeah, the scroll bar is real small and it's about three quarters of the way down the screen. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So um, I, I think the, the best thing that you're doing is exactly what you say you do in your private life of being someone seen as an African-American woman who's an engineer, who's girly and letting young girls see her. Uh, but by doing the podcast, I think you're doing the same thing, right? I mean, right. why aren't there a lot of black tech podcasts? I know two. <laughs> yeah, I... I honestly, I don't know. I, I I wish I knew the answer to that. And I know um, on our podcast, if you listen to the first episode, that's kind of our origin story. Um, Terrence and um, Terrence's wife and I were friends and we worked together and she'd been harassing us for years. <laughs> I mean, we've worked together for what, almost going on six years. And I mean, from the very beginning, Year one, she was like, oh, my God, you should meet my husband. He loves Apple. He's a techie. You guys should do a podcast. And we're both like, yeah, sure. okay, we'll think about it. And, you know, time came and went, came and went. And then we finally just said, you know what, let's give it a try. If we like doing it, we'll keep doing it. And if we don't, if we don't like it, if we stop having fun 
at it, then we won't. And it, I don't know if it's just people not having the uh, the capability, which I don't think is the case because anybody can go and buy a mic and Google how to start a podcast. I I wish I knew why we we didn't have more of them. <laughs> Or why you didn't start sooner, right? Or uh, why we didn't start, why we didn't take um, Terrence's wife advice and and uh, <laughs> and start sooner. But everything in due time. I think uh, the time is is right for it at this point, and uh, we're having a good time doing it. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback, and so it's it's very encouraging that um, people are 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 into it and are receiving, it, especially um, people who don't look like us. Because I know when we first started, we we were thinking, we're like, so how do we, do we need to quote unquote code switch? Do we need to make sure, do we need to be careful what we say or how we say it? And then we said, no, we're, we're going to be us. We are techies, but we're also black. And that does frame the way we live. We can't separate, you know, who we are as people from, from what we enjoy doing. So it's just one of those things where we say, we're just going to go full steam ahead and, mm-hmm. um, and tackle it and have fun while we're doing it. I, I like the way you guys are doing this because uh, I do want to make sure the audience understands that the show is not a lecture series on how you should feel bad if you're white and male. Right. <laughs> and it, it's a tech no, show. It is about yeah. Apple gear. It's about Apple news. It's about the gadgets that they've got. And, and, um, you guys might take fanboy and fangirl to a higher level than even I do. Uh, I only have an ever so slight Apple bias. Um, We're full on. (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, snob OS. I mean, you guys leaned in on that one. That's a fabulous name. Um, But they are talking about the Apple news and the Apple gear and the stuff that we all know and love. It just happens to also have this other angle and, and as a dedicated segment for when that's appropriate, when you want to talk about it. So it, it gives it an angle. Nobody else has that I know of. And the thing is, when we were when we were doing when we were starting, you know, to build out what we want to talk about, of course, at the core, it's a tech podcast. So we we put in the segment, um, you know, for we've we've done six episodes at this point and we have about four or five different segments that we try to do in a show. But if we don't have anything to talk about for that segment, we don't include the segment. So sometimes there'll be like this week we didn't have a second string, which is where we talk about other tech outside of Apple. We didn't have anything to talk about this week for that. So we didn't. So there could be um, episodes where we don't have anything culturally relevant to talk about. It's just what's going on in the tech space and how it affects us. So we, I definitely, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because at the core of it, we are a tech podcast. We love tech. We love, um, we are both um, tech professionals. And so we have the knowledge base for it. It's just that this is our show so we talk about, you know, things as, as they relate to us. So I definitely, you know, hope that people, you know, definitely tune in because it, if, if you enjoy tech, because that's what it's about. It just has a different spin on it sometimes. Right. Well, but that's what we need. We need different spins because if it was the same thing everybody else was doing, then that wouldn't be any fun at all. <laughs> right. Right. Or- and, and again, like I said, I, I hope it just really opens, you know, other people's um, minds to some things that they wouldn't have, you know, thought of. Some things you've mentioned, some things that some listeners have um, emailed and and made comments about as well. That oh, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. It's not one of those things that says we're going to beat you over the head with, like you put it before, you know, making you feel bad. It's just it's just speaking from our point of view and our perspective. And everybody has a point of view and everybody has a perspective and it deserves, and, and you should put it out there if, if, if you so wish. 
I couldn't have put it better myself. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. The uh, The podcast is called Snob OS. Ca- it's the Snob OS at snoboscast.com. And you can find Nika at Tech Savvy Diva on Twitter and probably, I'm guessing, Instagram and everywhere else. Yep, across all platforms. That's me. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Allison. Thanks for having me. Well, Nika and I are back. Hi, Nika. Hi again. <laughs> okay, so we signed off and then we started talking about the Facebook numbers that we were talking about with um, uh, African-Americans on Facebook. And and Nika, what was the statistic? We, I think we misstated it. What, what was the right? Real- I think I said it was 63% of Facebook users are black. But looking back at the article, it's 63% of Facebook users. Um, of black people use Facebook to communicate. So it's basically engagement, the the high the levels of engagement on Facebook. Um, so it's not the percentage Americans. of users. It's Correct. it's how engaged the users are. Correct. Yeah. So, so the, like uh, this was once it, higher. Yeah. Sixty three percent use Facebook to communicate with family, and sixty percent use Facebook to communicate with friends at least once a day. Compared to 53%, 54% of the total population. So African-Americans are more engaged, not that they're more of African-Americans than other races. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Statistics yep. are hard. <laughs> yeah. And this was like a couple of weeks ago. So I was like trying to go off the cuff. And I remember seeing something about 63%. So, yeah. You got perfect. the number right. Well, we d- <laughs> we knew we'd get emails. So we figured we'd come back in and, yes. and correct ourselves here. Yes, because this is a this is pretty this is kind of a, a hot button topic. I know when we did our, our show um, related to this, we, we got some comments. So definitely we want to make sure that we give the correct information Precise. so that no one feels the need to to, to kind of <laughs> correct. Yes, us. <laughs> you were wrong. Yeah. All right. We were, well, I thanks, was wrong. So, thanks yeah. for coming back on, Nika. <laughs> no problem. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at PodFeet or email me at allison at PodFeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to PodFeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at PodFeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.